the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In steadfast obedience to God's call upon his life, Pastor Rander continues to challenge us with stimulating questions that we must answer if we are to live a committed, God-filled life. We cannot reach our full potential short of giving God, rather than this world, our very best. The only way we can maximize our God-given capacity is to walk by faith at all times and in all things. God's Word tells us that we must look to the hills for help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Thank you for joining us today. As you listen in, you'll want to take notes. So keep pen and paper handy. Turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 4. We've been in a series, and uh, we shall continue it. We may get through, we may not. We'll just see what the Spirit of God is up to this morning. The Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 4, is the text that we shall uh, be preaching from this morning, along with other related scriptures. It says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man or no one can work. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Once again, I want to preach from the subject, it's time to work. Repeat after me, it's time Time. to work. work. Thank you. It's astounding to see so many who say they love the Lord do so little with no sense of regret. We're here solely by the grace of God, and we are blessed with far more physically as well as spiritually than we deserve to have, and yet we are quite content being recipients of all we can get and not returning thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ by advancing his kingdom on earth. The scripture says in the disciples' prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus himself says in this particular verse, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man, when no one can work. And just briefly, I'm going to just uh, scan, uh, run right through these. Why is it time to work? Number one, we said in our review, because God himself worked. We work because God himself worked. Genesis chapter two, verses one and two. Why work? Number two, because God the Father sent Jesus to work. Remember that? God the Father sent Jesus to work. Why work? Number three, because we work because we love God too much not to work. Remember that? We love God. You say you're going too fast. It's because it's review. 
We have CDs and tapes that are available for those of you who are hearing this for the first time. Number three, we work because we love God too much not to work. When you love God, you will work. Number four, we work because kingdom work is a beautiful work. It's a beautiful work. Isaiah 52, 7 and Romans 10, 15. Number five, we were saved to serve. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, we were saved to serve. Not saved to sit, but saved to serve. Number six, we work because faith without works is what? Dead. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 14, and James chapter 2, 17 through 20. Why work? We work because it's time, it's time to work because of the God-given abilities he has deposited within us. We move, live, and have our being because of him. At the point of salvation, God gifts us with spiritual gifts, spiritual enablements to build up the body of Christ for the glory of his name. And when we do not use our gifts, we grieve the Holy Spirit who gave the gifts in the first place. Number eight, why work? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Matthew 9, 37. As a matter of fact, there's absolutely too much work to be done for us not to be working. So the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Too much work for us to be sitting around here not working, says Matthew 9.37. Why work? Number nine, we cannot hear the Lord say, well done, unless we have been a faithful servant. How many want to hear him say, well done? Well, you can't hear him say, well done, unless you've been a faithful servant, says Matthew 25.23. Why work? Number 10, we must work because the Lord is coming back with his reward. That's why we work. Dad is coming to get his children, says Revelation chapter 22 and 12. Why do we work? We work because of the brevity of life. Number 11, the brevity of life. John 9, 4 says the night is coming. In other words, you're going to close your eyes. You're going to, go to, you're going to fall asleep in Jesus. And uh, then your working days will be done. James, I mean, Job chapter 7, Job 7, 7, 8, 9, 10 says, Oh, remember that life is but a breath as the cloud disappears and vanishes away. So he who goes down to the grave does not come up. I love verse 10. It says, he shall never return to his house. When you die, you don't go back home. Nor shall his place know him anymore. Where you live, that place will know you no more. And then we transition and said, why is it that many who have good church attendance do no work? Why is it that many who have good church attendance do no work? I mean, they come to church and they do that real well, but that's about all. They come, they sit, and they go. Why is that? Well, maybe number one is the case. Maybe it's because they haven't experienced genuine salvation. First John 5, 11 and 12. If you have not experienced genuine salvation, then you don't see the need to work. Number two, uh, many come to church but don't work because they haven't planted themselves in the church. They're too busy church hopping to work. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Number three, why is it that so many have good attendance but do no work in the church? Number three, because they are too preoccupied with their own personal agenda. John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. 
When yourself get in God's way, you will not work because you seek to please yourself. So being too preoccupied with your own personal agenda will keep you from working. Why is it that many come to church but have no works to show for it? Number four, they can work because they're habitual procrastinators, says James 4, uh, 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. I like what Anna said, tomorrow must be the longest day of the week, judging by the number of things we're going to do in them, uh, do it in. So, so procrastination keeps us from working. It's always tomorrow. It's always, well, I get my life right the next day or the next time or the next Sunday or next year, and you end up in hell to your own demise. Number five, why do many come to church and yet do no work? It's because they take comfort in their excuses. They take comfort in their excuses. Luke 14, 15 through 24 deals with the parable of the great supper and all of all those who gave excuses. Somebody found them a wife, and, and somebody else got yoke of oxen, and somebody bought land. They all were giving excuses as to why they couldn't work. Uh, and so uh, they missed out on the great supper. Why is it that many go to church but don't work? Number six, uh, they won't work because they are lazy, says Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, dealing with the parable of the talents. You remember God uh, gave, the Lord gave talents out, but the one who received one talent went and buried his, and when, when the Lord came back and he was to give an account, he was rebuked, and his talent was taken and given to the one that had more. In other words, God has invested too much in us for us not to be working. He has saved us, gifted us, and provided for us. God expects us a return on his investment, his investment. Um, Lazy servants love to receive but have nothing to offer God or the body of Christ in return. They're spiritual moochers. Why is it that so many come to church but do no work? Number seven, many won't work because of an inferiority complex. Now I will slow down, okay? All right. Well, I want to get through the review because we've been doing the review and I wanted to get to all this new insight for living. Number seven, many won't work because of an inferiority complex. They compare themselves with others. Turn with us to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Um, many won't work because of an inferiority complex. They compare themselves to others. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in whom? Christ Jesus for what? Good, underline that, for what? Good works. Not to sit around doing nothing. You were created for what kind of works? Not bad works. Good works. Created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were born, before the creation was even, before creation was even made, God had a divine assignment preordained for you when, because of your being divinely predestined and elected to the glory of God. He foreknew you. You were no accident. You didn't surprise God. There are no surprises to God in his economy and outside. Even in the world, there are no surprises. 
God knew there would be an Iraq war. God knew who would be in office. God knew that the lights would go out today. God knew you'd be sitting here today. And God also knew today you would get saved and the work you would do after you get saved or how little work you would do since you've been saved. Amen. Listen, you have no reason to be comparing yourself with anybody else. The scripture says in Psalms 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are uniquely you. There is nobody else like you. Why don't you get out of the television? The television will never make you feel good about yourself. Television and commercials always leave you lacking. If you want to build up your self-esteem, get in the word of God. The word of God will build up your self-esteem. Amen? Amen. Don't get your cue from the commercial. The commercial will make you focus on the fact you don't have any hair. Amen. Or it's nappy or whatever it is. You know, it'll make you. You need more lotion, your skin is drier, this or that. That's the design to get you to buy, to make money. Let me tell you something. When God put you together, he did some kind of work on you. Amen. Amen. We're not a little bunny rabbit that you have to wire up and our battery run dead. All you got to do is go to sleep and wake up. And guess what? You don't have to plug yourself in to make it. Aren't you glad about that? that you don't have to recharge yourself in some kind of boost or something. You can just get rest in God. The immune system, I I mean, the immune system, I mean, all of these things, to be able to sneeze, your eyebrows have a purpose. Keep that sweat from running in your eyes. The hair in your nose have a purpose to keep that dust from getting all in your lungs. Amen. Your toenails have a purpose. Everything you got, listen, I, some folks want to take stuff off of them. I don't want, I want to go to him with everything I got, unless it's just so out of order, it has to go. Amen? Amen. You ain't got to be sucking yourself up with all these liposuction and this and that, putting all these coats on you and you think your lips too big and this is too, listen, you ain't out of order. You are beautiful. You white and beautiful. You Hispanic and beautiful. If you mixed up, you mixed up and beautiful. You black and beautiful. Why? Because we are God's workmanship. You are uniquely you. There is nobody else like you. Somebody might look like you, but they ain't you. Amen. They're not you. And we need not feel inferior or compare ourselves with others that we think or look a little bit better, or more gifted. Don't devalue yourself like that. God has a purpose and a plan. And if you look at the Lord, he will remove the inferiority complex. When you look at people and what they can do, that's when you begin to compare. Keep your eyes on Jesus because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whatever you have, whatever God has gifted you with, you give it You serve to the best of your ability, carrying out God's assignment for your life, and let the Lord tell you, well done. So I don't worry, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do it like her. I can't do it like him. I can't sing like her. You know, I I can't, I can't do all of these things. But, But what you can do, you do it. Do it. Number eight, uh, why is it that so many come to church but don't uh, work in the church. Here's one. They won't work because of the fear of failure. Because of the fear of failure. I'm going to elaborate on this. I'm going to deal with this a little extensively. Because the, uh, many don't do what they could do because they feel like they're going to mess up 
and embarrass themselves. Man, I wasn't always preaching this way. Amen. I'm talking about failure. Some of you haven't gotten what God wants you to be because you fear failure. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. When God has you, he even has you in the failure. Matter of fact, don't fear it because you really need it. You really, you say, what? Man, if you got it right all the time, you'd be the most proudest rascal on this side of the Mississippi River. A lot of times God lets you fail to keep you in check. William Ward said, and I quote, the greatest failure is the failure to try, unquote. The greatest failure is the failure to try, said William Ward, uh, instead of fearing failure, why not use it to work for your own good? I mean, some of you won't serve because you, you figure you're going to mess up. But I got news for you. You will mess up and you're going to mess up and you ain't perfect. That's all right. You're trying to get there because God ain't through with you yet. Amen. Not, not, I'm not going to stop preaching because I'm going to preach perfect English. I mess up everything up here. Amen. I lose thoughts, everything else. And uh, you're not supposed to be focusing on my English know-how. What you say right now? I'm going to try to get it right most of the time. But be it known to you today, you don't listen to the message with, with an analytical ear. You listen to the message with the ear of receptivity. Lord, what would you have me to hear? Speak to my heart, for your servant is listening. That was a time back during slavery. They, man, they couldn't read, couldn't write. Matter of fact, it was against the law to do all that. Don't just say amen. But those preachers could preach. And folk got saved. How could they get saved? And I knew, you know why? Because they, it, was, it was passed down. They got revelation from God. God used what they have, had, even when they had no scripture, it was handed down to them. Songs were handed down. And what, and what was handed down, God just kept that right. And folks still got saved anyhow. Amen. Listen, folk got saved back then because the other time all we had was the Lord. Didn't have no freedom. Amen. Didn't have anything. Messed up, split up, everything else. But we had God, and God was enough. Won't y'all look how y'all getting quiet? It's part of our history. You can't erase history. I'll tell you something. This is all, you know, Martin Luther King time and all that. But, uh, even though the slave ships from Africa was a very atrocious, heinous thing, I thank God for it. I thank God for it. Because God 
worked all things together for the good. Many folk died, didn't make it over, but I thank God for those who got over. And we end up in America because if it weren't for the slave ships, I wouldn't be here now and we wouldn't have a chance to minister to those kids back in Africa now. Amen? God brings triumph and blessing out of tragedy. Now, that looked like a failure, but God overruled that thing and worked it for the good, and now because he got transferred us over here, we can be a blessing not only to Africa, but to Europe and New Zealand and Asia and everywhere else, all over the world, praise God. So don't look back at your past and get bitter. You ought to look back at your past and say, thank you. My soul looked back. I don't wonder how I got over. I know how I got over. It was the Lord that brought me over. Do I have a witness here today? What should we do with our failure? What should we do with our failure? That's a good question. How many of you fail? Don't tell no lie in the house of God now. You know, it's rain and lightning might strike. What should we do with our failure? Number one, A, learn from our failure. Learn from it. You know, it's bad when you fail and don't even learn. Have enough common sense, good God Almighty, to learn from your mistakes. Learn from your failure. B, grow from our failure. You can grow through it. God makes you a better man, a better woman. I mean, give you experience. You grow up through it. You don't grow with everything happening just right in your life. Everything you touch turned to gold. That's no growth. There has to be some tests, some trials, some failures, some disappointments, some disillusionment in order to get us to the next level in Christ. So all failure is not bad. And see, uh, in failure, what should we do with it? Teach others because of our failures. Teach others. Now, some of y'all, y'all can't teach others because you're walking around here strut like a peacock like you've never failed. All of us have failed. We, we've all fallen short. All of us got stories and testimonies of how bad we messed up and how God overruled. So, A, let's repeat it again. What should we do our failure? We should what? Learn from our failure. B, grow from our failure. C, teach others because of our failures. You can teach your child, parents, through your failures. Through your failures. Um, Now, here's another question. Let's transition based on failure. What is God doing in our failure? What about that perspective? What about, what is God up to? What is he doing in our failure. Y'all hanging with me? What is God doing in our failure? Uh, some of you don't serve because of failure, but no, go on. Go on. Don't let that stop you. What is God doing in our failure? A, God often prepares us for success through our failure. He often prepares us for our success through our what? Through our failure. If you talk to every great man, great woman, president, governor, executive, I don't care, whatever they are, they got some failures 
of how they really messed it up, if they can go back and do it all over again. Some of them would say, I wouldn't do it over again. I needed that to get where I am. If that hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. You see what I'm saying? So, so actually, God propels us many times to, to success through our failure. B, we have a greater dependency upon the Lord because of our failure. When you fail, you have a greater dependency upon the Lord when you fail. Man, boy, oh, God, help me. When you fail, you pray more. You cry to God more. Spoiled people don't cry to God. It's, it's those that try and try and can't seem to get it. Let me just give you some places where we have failed. Academic exams. I'm talking to somebody out there. And me too. <laughs> Physical training test. You in the Air Force? How many Air Force persons in here? Don't you have to test to get to the next level? You ever took a test, tried to get there, and couldn't, and ended up retiring? God said, get out. I got something else for you to do. <laughs> I don't want you to go another five years. I want you out because I I, I'm sending you another direction. I'm going to let you. It wasn't that you were the biggest dummy in the Air Force. It's just God has something else in mind. Failure, 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 failure. Physical training. Uh, you, you know, the, your PT tests that you can't pass. You huff and you puff. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And still, you can't get it and you end up out. Promotional exams. Uh, certifications. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Licensure exams to get certain license to do this or that. Uh, to be a realtor, uh, to be a beautician. God don't want you to mess with hair. He wants you to do something else. He'll flunk you. And then sometimes he wants you to do that, but he'll test your perseverance. So it does work the other way too. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, you failed an interview. You failed it. Now some of y'all go in there failing. You walk in there, your mouth got all that bling bling in it. <laughs> Yeah, give me a job. Folk can see their face in your teeth. High me. Hell, wow. Going all down the direction, dread stuff, and all kind of folk things that happen to you, and you just look wild. Not presentable, slouching, half pants half down. How are you going to compete with your pants half down your rear? Why don't you say that? Pull your pants up and buckle them up. Nobody want to see them boxers. Don't y'all say amen. Tells us that in order to live according to God's plan for our lives, we must be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.